Happy Hump Day. Welcome back to Looking Backwards, Looking Forwards. I'm C. Thomas Printer, and I'm here with Austerity Jones. C. Thomas, as we were talking with you over the weekend, you have mentioned that Saudi Arabia is pretty unhappy. They had put money in Credit Suisse a few weeks ago, I assume, and obviously now they are at a loss. That already tensioned relations, are they going to be further deteriorated? Well, here's what's interesting, right? Um, I think it was Thursday of last week. They asked, I don't know who it was with the Saudi, I guess, National Bank. And they said, are you going to be investing more in, in Credit Suisse? And they said, absolutely not. And I thought, wow, that was pretty uh, direct. <laughs> absolutely not. And <laughs> then he went on to say that we have reached the 9.8% limit and we don't want to go above 10, which would change the reporting. And I was <laughs> like, but he could have said that without saying absolutely not. <laughs> well, we found out now that they put $1.5 billion in, um, like we said, just a few, five, six weeks ago, something like that. And they stand to lose, I've heard between 88 and 93% of that number. I don't care who you are. If you're losing over a billion dollars in five or six weeks, those relations are now soured, right? Mm -hmm. now, you might be able to continue to do business, but there's definitely going to be some hard feelings. I remember when Johnny Kiff, but he actually stole money from me in, uh, it was only $7 in sixth grade, but I still remember Johnny. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's just a few dollars. Can you imagine losing a billion dollars in five weeks? Like this, no, is, a I can't. this is a problem, right? And so yes. I think what you've seen is, you know, I, I think the Saudis have been looking at the global landscape, the chessboard, and they've been cozying up to Russia and China and some of these other countries like India and saying, well, transact in a few different things because their relationships with America aren't so rosy. And now with Europe, they're not so rosy. So when we put a small element of banking into a global context, if you're the Saudis, you're looking at this and you're saying, I don't know that I can trust these folks. America has a banking crisis. Europe has a banking crisis. And China's coming over here saying, we'll be happy to trade with you. We'll be happy to do this for you. And they're like, hmm, maybe the, the winds of change are shifting a little bit. So... I think this is yet another little nudge to the Saudis that maybe the winds of change are blowing and maybe they need a new primary trade partner. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> we, 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 we managed to jump onto politics very quickly. <laughs> I will try not to. Let's keep it amongst the financials today. But uh... Deal, deal. <laughs> then I'm going to ask you, um, so how did this Credit Suisse problem happen? Um, similar to Ninja loans are there something called airbnb loans there's something there's like a lot of rumors floating out there in twitter mm. right now and as we know there was the bill huang debacle with the family office we know that there's been numerous right. scandals that have you know ubs is, has gotten itself involved with and so one of the ones that um i was hearing last week was um that maybe they were offering loans to speculative real estate, for example, like Airbnb, maybe it was some other stuff that maybe didn't have the best underwriting behind it. Mm -hmm. And in an effort to bring in business, 
which has been failing, which is how their bonuses are affected. Sometimes mm. people cut corners and Credit Suisse has been cutting corners for a very long time now. They also had, you know, difficulties um, last year in terms of losing money. And so probably to try to turn the corner, some of these corners that you cut to try to create business are something like, hey, you have an Airbnb and oh, you rent it for this. And oh, guess what? You know, that'll cash flow. I'll make you a loan. What can go wrong? And things like that. And that's one of the rumors that was out there that, you know, they were doing a lot of this business and maybe their maybe their loans weren't as solid as everyone would expect from a bank that supposedly do be doing their due diligence. Mm-hmm. For close to two hundred years. This is really shocking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think this reputation has fallen down in 200 years, 167 years, but I think you can definitely go back to the, you know, 2008. They were like the only one of the only banks that didn't get bailed out. And I think mm-hmm. they had a pretty good reputation until yeah. then. It's UBS just, um, was bailed out. They were bailed out. Right. But Credit Suisse was pretty strong and had a good reputation. Mm-hmm. But you get the wrong people in there. It doesn't take that long, 10, 15 years. And all of a sudden, here we are. And it's met its demise. You know, yes. and quite frankly, you know, these banks are meeting their demise quite quickly, right? They're going from very healthy to out of business in, you know, two weeks. Like we, it was just two weeks ago we started talking about Credit Suisse and Silvergate, yes. right? Yes. And Silvergate went broke four days later, and now Credit Suisse goes broke, you know, two weeks later, right? This, mm. this is pretty quick, and things move quickly in today's society, and um, you don't want to be on the wrong side of this. And I think this is just the most classic example of Warren Buffett being correct and the smartest guy in the room. When the tides go out, you see who's swimming naked. And Credit Suisse, <laughs> they're naked. No sun having behinds are available for all to see. Mm. <laughs> That's a lovely analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's up with First Republic? Still on the news. Yeah, First Republic, you know, their, their stock was down over 40%. On mm-hmm. Monday, right, so they reopened. Their stock was trading at 123 on the 3rd of March. Right. Now it's 13. You know, here we are late Monday afternoon as we're recording this. When these things start, like we said, what's the most important part of a bank? Trust. And everybody's, you know, getting emails from their bank right now saying, well, there's nothing to worry about. Yelling mm-hmm. and yeah. Powell come out and say, our banking is robust. No, it's not. Because if it was, we wouldn't be having bank failures. You don't make statements <laughs> like that seven months ago when our banking system was robust. You make them when bank failures are all around. You make those <laughs> when Warren Buffett is getting jets flying into Omaha on the weekend and everybody's saying, please bail us out. And when Buffett says, nah, I'm not going to make a deal with any of you guys, that means you're less than robust because Warren likes to make money if you really had a sound business. So I think First Republic hate to call it but i'd be shocked if it wasn't the next one to go right i just don't think you recover from 90 percent sell-offs in your stock i think your your depositors look around and saying oh boy this isn't good right and like we talked you know the depositors over 250k probably you're saying i should probably move my money to be safe and that makes the problem worse and then you know they have to sell more assets to cover the depositors taking their money out and that makes things worse and this is just a vicious cycle and this is the cycle of trust that has been broken in some of these. And First Republic is known for having really good customer service. But the fact of the matter is, if your underlying financials are good, it doesn't matter how good your customer service is. Correct. Yeah. Oh, see, Thomas, we have looked back. Also, uh, within our conversation, we have looked forward. 
old things are changing very rapidly and we will keep an eye on and we will keep informing our listeners. Uh, thank you very much. Can I interrupt with one little thing before we go? Of course. I think that this decision coming up for Mr. Jerome Powell, which the Fed right. isn't going to meet on Tuesday and Wednesday, mm-hmm. I think this has got to be one of the most difficult decisions there is. And I think he's he's really wrestling with, I don't think we've whipped inflation. No. Right? The numbers and the data that came out like last Thursday, last Wednesday, mm-hmm. we thought mm-hmm. we were going to be going up 50, 50 basis points. And then we had bank failures and credit suites and the markets were, you know, dropping considerably. The bond market's been jumping all over the place and everyone's saying we're breaking things. And Jay Powell says, we're going to stay higher for longer. We're going to bring you pain. Is he really going to have the backbone to raise at least 25 basis points on Wednesday? I don't know. But I think it's very difficult because if he pauses or cuts rates now at the first sign of trouble, I think that's long term worse for the Federal Reserve and the credibility of that organization. Mm-hmm. Then if he does raise it and just says, I'm going to keep the heat on. So I am super, super confused in what he's going to do. But I think this decision more than any other is going to be an insight into Jerome Powell's true intentions of what he's going to do. Is he going to be the man that halted inflation like Paul Volcker was and risk wrecking the economy for a while? Or is he going to kowtow to politicians and money managers and hedge fund managers and all these people that are saying, oh, you're going to break stuff while they're talking their book because, oh, my God, this is really bad for our business. And the bankers are saying this is really bad for our business. And he's been saying, I've been telling you for a year to get ready and you haven't done a damn thing, Credit Suisse or First Republic or Silicon Valley Bank. You've left these loans on your books unhedged. I don't feel sorry for you. I told you this was going to happen. And I think this is going to be an insight on Wednesday that will give us a very good indication on where we're going to go. And then we can use that information to try to prepare ourselves accordingly. Thank you very much, C. Thomas. And our listeners, please check out our YouTube channel and our website, cthomasprinter.com. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Austerity. Until next week. Always remember this, and it would behoove the Federal Reserve to remember this one as well. You never stop the plow to catch a mouse.